Hi, this is Don McPherson, your host of 12 Geniuses. Giada Aguirre de Carcer is CEO of New Frontier Data, a data and analytics company focused on the global cannabis industry. Giada joined us in season one of the podcast. Today, she updates us on the continued growth in the cannabis market, innovations in the industry, and the prospects of legalization in the U.S. and other countries around the world. This episode of 12 Geniuses is sponsored by the Think to Perform Research Institute, an organization committed to advancing moral, purposeful, and emotionally intelligent leadership. Giada, welcome back to 12 Geniuses. It's so nice to be back then. Just to remind our audience, we spoke March 27th, 2019, about two and a half years ago. What has happened to the investment market for the cannabis industry? Obviously, COVID happened. <laughs> and so COVID has had multiple layers of impact uh, into the industry as a whole, but and on the investment as well. But candidly, I think it may be misperceived that the investment has slowed down. Because what has happened, in fact, is that the number of deals have decreased, but the size of the deals have increased. So, for instance, we are closing now, as of May of this year, we're looking at raises totaling close to $9 billion. At this time in 2019, we were close to $2 billion. So it really has tripled. And this is very much due to sort of a different kind of investor that's been attracted to the industry which is a result of the increase in consumption we have seen across North America, but also globally, attracting mainstream brands, primarily in the, in the CPG grouping, sort of food and beverage, health and beauty, and consolidation in the space as well. I think there's a little bit of misperception around slowing down of investment flow into the industry just because, as I said, decrease in number of deals, but definitely much larger checks. When we spoke, you had mentioned that consumption in the U.S. was about $7 billion in 2016, and U.S. and Canada was a combined $12 billion in 2018, and we were on our way to about $32 billion in North America for 2025. Where are we on that? Is that still kind of the projection out to 2025? Again, COVID happened. We saw a tripling, almost quadrupling of the average cart uh, of the individual cannabis consumer across North America. So right now, our 2025 projections are actually at over $40 billion. We're close to crossing the $25 billion mark this year. That's for U.S. alone. We sort of expected this as, you know, as of Q1 of last year, we had already begun to see an increase. And I don't know if you remember, towards the end of 2019, while, of course, we could not have seen COVID happen, there was a beginning, there was a sensation of some kind of, you know, economic downturn, recession. And so we had begun to analyze the potential impact of an economic downturn onto the cannabis industry. Our expectation at that point, again, pre-COVID, was the cannabis industry was likely going to end up in sort of a recession-proof category, you know, sort of like tobacco, alcohol, Netflix, chocolate just because the application of cannabis, right? And we know that in the United States and globally, you know, the top three reasons for consumptions are anxiety, stress, lack of sleep. What happens during an economic downturn? A lot of stress, anxiety, and lack of sleep beyond the chronic pain applications. And of course, COVID had a multiplier effect with that. So consumption just exploded. Shortly after we first spoke, there was an inability to meet the demand in Canada. Am I remembering that correctly? That is correct. Yeah. Where are we with 
the ability to meet this incredible demand. I mean, it's really spiked, and I, I don't know that we could have predicted it, like you said. So we're sort of on the same boat. It's gotten a little more complicated, in fact. One of the things that occurred, you know, with this explosion of consumption, and especially triggered, by the way, by also late last year, the United Nations descheduling cannabis, which was one of the recommendations by the World Health Organization. What we've seen is also an increase in number of not only states in the U.S., for instance, but also in nations worldwide of legalization. So today we're about 70 nations. With that, we now have this global market with a very fragmented regulatory system that's making it very difficult to sort of have some standard around how is supply and demand going to align in a more optimal manner. And I acerbated by the fact that while nations and states are having difficulties meeting demand with supply, what are they doing? They're trying to sort of meet that and hedge that with external supply making the entire equation much more complicated because, again, of this regulatory framework fragmentation. It's, not, it's now not only a, a challenge that we're seeing in the U.S. and Canada, it's a challenge that we're seeing at a global scale. There's a lot of work that needs to happen from a regulatory perspective at a global scale. If we start national, that'd be great, then the next step would be to sort of standardize in some shape or form at a regional level. And the hope is that it's someday in the near future we'll, start, we'll have some sort of Global, better global understanding and visibility so that we can actually see some stabilization of this supply and demand misalignment. You said that 70 nations have decriminalized cannabis. I think the last time we talked, it was just maybe two countries and then Australia was coming in. Isn't that nuts that in just such a small amount of time, we've gone from two to three nations to 70. In half of the time that it took us for the United States to legalize the same number of states, it's insane what's happening. So in these countries, it's fully decriminalized, including recreational use? No. So the global market, if we're going to call it that, is primarily a medical CBD market. There are still very few nations that have decriminalized or legalized adult use. That list remains very, very short. And we don't expect that to change. The medical applications is really what's driving adoption. And where are we in the U.S.? When we initially spoke, it was eight states for recreational use and about 30 for medical use. I, we keep hearing about states changing regulation, including my state. I'm in Minnesota. We have approved cannabis for medical purposes. What are those numbers now? We're at 18 for adult use and 38 for medical. So in essence, today, 70% of Americans have access to some form of legal cannabis. So that begs the question, where are we with federal legalization? Because, you know, it seems like, you know, the writing's on the wall. Let's legalize this on a federal level. Well, you know, from New Frontier Data's perspective, I can only speak to what we have facts to substantiate. Yes, I know <laughs> and, that. And alas, the political sort of crystal ball is something that we do not have. Are we closer to federal legalization? Yes, of course we are. Does that mean it will happen in the very near future? No, it doesn't mean that. It's complicated. But what is important to note is that federal legalization or no federal legalization, the U.S. cannabis market will continue to evolve and mature. Some of the challenges you know, of, of the lack of federal regulation continues to be around access to capital. So banking, loans, and, and processing of payments and things of the sort. And, and those continue to be challenges 
But at this point, there are so many states and, and there's enough capital flow and enough consumption that operators are finding the way around it. And so it's certainly not a showstopper, for lack of a better term. It's also interesting to see from a national, U.S. national uh, sort of acceptance perspective, just from America, how Americans are seeing the plan, we're beginning to see legalization in red states. I mean, we have Mississippi, we have South Dakota. So that certainly bodes well, right? That is an indicator that more and more red states are sort of getting on the bandwagon or interested, in not the medical benefits, certainly the revenue generation associated with the legalization. So we're getting closer to that. One of the things that we talked about initially in our first conversation is where this is being grown in the United States. Have we seen anything new in terms of where cannabis is being grown in the U.S.? It's being grown everywhere now. <laughs> you know, one of the things that's happening on the global scale is also this emergence of centers of excellence, meaning that there are certain regions and, and countries that are, are specializing in certain aspects of the plant. Cultivation, per se, is something that, that we're beginning to see as uh, the optimal portion of the industry in regions like Latin America and Africa or countries like Colombia, right? Or, or countries like African nations, we have Zimbabwe and others that are beginning to sort of position. And in the United States, we continue to see that in warmer weather climates. However, you have to understand that there's also innovation. This is one of the things that North America is emerging as a center of excellence. All innovation when it pertains to technologies that are supporting optimal cultivation and processing and extraction are really in the United States and Canada. And so with those technologies, you're seeing the ability to sort of grow cannabis regardless of weather or conditions or climate or any of the other aspects. What it is doing, however, is obviously impacting the price. And that's something that we'll be tracking uh, more closely. And, and we're working on indices, in fact, to sort of predict those fluctuations as well. So, but in terms of the ability to, there's enough demand and, and, and the cannabis consumer is willing enough to pay for access that the limits are no longer what they were three years ago. During our first conversation, you said that China accounts for about 95% of hemp production. Is that still accurate or have other countries started to make inroads there as well? Well, now China is down to half. And that's what I mean by truly a global explosion. So I'm assuming that's not a, a reduction in production from China, no. but just other countries. And what are some of those other countries? As I said earlier, when we think of cannabis legalization outside of North America, you're really looking at hemp and CBD. So you can almost assume that everyone else, that's what they're doing. Um, but in terms of nations that are really emerging, if the ability on their own to truly you know, have an impact at a global scale, I would say the nation that certainly could do that is India. India has now, there are two provinces in India that have legalized. There are another two or three that are looking to legalize. India is a nation that had been uh, already cultivating hemp for fiber in a very limited manner. Not at all at this scale in China. Also remember China has been doing it for over 30 years and the way that they cultivate is almost completely automated. I mean, we're talking drones run the cultivation. So they have a, a level of sophistication that India has is not yet at the level, like at all. But in terms of capacity and know-how, India certainly could be a nation that would give China a run for their money. Has there been much change in public opinion here in the United States regarding either 
medical cannabis use or recreational use. I think we started your episode with nine out of 10 Americans support the use of medical marijuana. So it's like, (laughs) I can't imagine that we've trended backwards. We're not. And I'm not going to say that we're 100%. But as I said, the fact that 70% of Americans have access to some form of legal cannabis today is indicative. The fact that we're beginning to see red states legalizing is indicative beyond Mississippi and South Dakota. You know, obviously Florida passed it, but also we have Texas that's in the running and other red states. So the legalization wave in the U.S. is now almost a decade old. And there's, you know, the type of mis information or lack of information that we experienced when I founded the company in 2014 is literally matters of the past. We've catapulted forward in terms of an insane amount of information about this industry, a lot of interest. Mind you, there still is, unfortunately, a lot of misinformation, but at least there is information and awareness. Uh, And so from a, a national perspective, Americans, I think, have gotten to the point where they understand there are benefits to the plant. It doesn't mean that everyone is ready to sign up you know, and vote for legalization of adult use. But on the medical side, I would say that it's almost sort of blank. I could make the blanket statement that America is okay with the medical applications of the plant. So you're celebrating your seventh anniversary. I think August 15th, you'll be seven years old as a company. What significant changes have happened in the last two and a half years at New Frontier Data? So New Frontier Data has traditionally been known for its macroeconomic and microeconomic opportunity and risk assessment sort of from a financial perspective, right? So we've had a strong fintech division, for lack of a better term, because we are a technology company. But we've had, that's that's sort of our, our core, has been our core value prop or offering for years. And in September of last year, we launched our ad tech division. And what that division does is builds upon Uh, 160 million cannabis consumers to whom we have access, and we're actually the only company in the world who has been collecting information. And obviously nothing personal identifiable, but we're the only company that has been collecting information on the cannabis consumer behavior. And we are, we've layered on top of that all of the, the sort of the contextual market understanding to help ad agencies serving these brands and this mainstream entrance and food and beverage and health and beauty engage and serve these cannabis consumers. So I would say that's the most significant change that we've had in, in the recent past. Any other significant trends that have emerged that you wanted to discuss? You know, one thing that I that we have been taking a very close look at, I don't know if you remember, and actually I don't know if we discussed this back in 2019, but when we started the company, yeah, 2014, we spent three, four years and we always got this question, what is the size of the illicit market? What is the size of the illicit market? And for the longest time, our answer was, we don't know. Nobody knows. It's very difficult to quantify. In around 2019, we had come up with our first figure and we have since really put a lot of effort in tracking and understanding the impact of legalization to the illicit market. And today we now have enough information to be able to say there's a correlation between expanding legalization and the erosion of the illicit market. So as we see states legalizing, we see the size of the illicit consumption going down. So in 2019, there were over 60 billion in illicit cannabis sales. You know, we're talking beyond North America with sort of 18 billion in in legal sales, we expect those numbers by 2025 to be 58 billion and 42 billion respectively. So less than 60 billion in the illicit market and over 40 billion in the legal 
market, thus seeing the shrinking of that, that delta between the two. And I think that's an important trend. So to say it in other words, in 2020, there was about an estimated 24% of U.S. cannabis sales that we believed were legal. In 2025, 42% of total annual sales are expected to be legal. Well, love the conversation and uh, so grateful you had time all the way from Italy to join us. Giada, thank you for your time and thank you again for being a genius. Thank you, Don, for your questions. Look forward to talking more soon. Thanks for listening to 12 Geniuses. During next week's interview, we're going to check in with my friend and longtime mentor, Doug Lennick. Doug joined us in season one to discuss the importance of emotional competence and how financial stability is one of the keys to managing personal well-being. We'll get into these topics and more when Doug's episode is released August 31st, 2021. Thanks for listening and thank you for being a genius.